Good morning church family, I trust you all well today. I'm sure like me you were watching the news this week and you saw a story of little AJ who got lost in the bush up near on the Putty Road and I can only imagine how his parents felt as they were trying to find him and searching desperately for him. They would have been heartbroken and, and I was heartbroken as they were desperate four days it went on for. And then finally they found him. We saw the elation on their faces as they celebrated the fact that this little boy of theirs had been found. They were desperate in their search and that and it re, was rewarded in there. They, they found him. On the other end of the scale, so that was a pretty desperate search. On the other end of the scale you got a little book called Finding Wally. Really when you're looking for Wally there's no real desperation in the search is there? You sort of just look at it and you and you, there's no stress. You, if you find it you, you oh well let's move to the next one. Today and over the next few weeks, I want to look at the idea of searching for Jesus. And I want to ask the question to you, how desperate are you to find him? What's the desperation level? So somewhere in between finding AJ and finding Wally, where do you find yourself in your search for Jesus? Because Jesus invites you, he says, if you search for me, you will find me. It makes sense then if you're not searching then you won't find. And so what I want to do is have a look at a little series we called uh, Finding Jesus. And in Finding Jesus, what we're going to do is look at the Old Testament and do a scan. And, and someone said, you know, um, Jesus is on every page of the New Testament. If you look for him, you'll find him. And so what we're going to do is look into the Old Testament and get a picture of what Jesus is like. And then we're going to transfer that over to the New Testament because the question we're really asking is, who is Jesus? Is Jesus God? Um, we need to know, is Jesus God? It's such a vital question. The reason it's such an important question is that our salvation depends on it. Romans chapter 10 says that if you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. And so this is a desperate search we're looking for because our salvation really depends on Let there be 
So how do you find Wally or AJ? You know, what were they... When, that, when you're searching for Wally, you actually know what Wally looks like. You know that Wally's got a striped shirt, a red and white striped shirt and a red and white hat and he's got round glasses and sometimes he's got a, a stick and other times he's got... and most times he's got blue pants. And so you know exactly what Wally looks like. You can quite easily spot him if you're looking for him. What we need to know is what does Jesus look like? What picture is painted in the Old Testament? Because when you see that, when you understand what he was like in the Old Testament, we can identify, yes, this is Jesus in the Old Testament. And it doesn't really make sense, does it? How can someone be um, born in the first century and yet we're looking for them in the BC the only reason that can, the only way that can happen, <clears throat> if you like, is if the person, Jesus, is outside our timeline, outside the human timeline. But to do that, you have to be God. So, in a sense, if we find that Jesus, this person that's described in the Old Testament, is the same as the person in the New Testament, we can conclude then that Jesus is God. So is it good enough to just say, look, I believe in Jesus. I believe that he is a good man, that he died on the cross. Yeah, I believe that he rose from the dead and that he died for my sin. Well, not really, because Jesus could be anyone. I mean, let's replace Jesus' name with Bob. We could say, well, Bob died on the cross and he rose again and he died for my sin. But the next question then is, who is Bob? So it's not just the name, Jesus, it's his identity, it's um, his essence. Who was he? Because if he's not God, then who was it that died on the cross 2,000 years ago? We need to know that Jesus is God. What I want to do is start by looking at uh, John chapter 1, because the disciples actually found what they were looking for. And so I want to work backwards a little bit, if you don't mind, because... What John writes is that he finds this one. Let's just read it. John chapter 1, verse 1. It says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word already existed. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And he existed in the beginning with God. God created everything through him, and nothing was created except through him. The Word gave life to every living, to everything that was created, and His life brought light to everyone. His light shines in the darkness, and the darkness can never extinguish it. So, how did John, the writer, how did he come to this conclusion that Jesus was with God in the beginning? The Apostle John was initially a follower of John the Baptist, so you might have to track with me here because we're going to be working with two Johns. So John the Apostle was initially a, a disciple of John the Baptist, and you might remember that John the Baptist was Jesus' cousin, uh, that Mary, Jesus' mother, and John the Baptist's mother was Elizabeth. These guys coming were coming from a pretty religious family in a sense because even John the Baptist's father, Zachariah, if you remember, was a guy who was desperately searching for Jesus. And if you remember in Luke chapter 1, an angel of the Lord appeared to Zechariah while he was serving in the temple. Elizabeth was barren, she couldn't have children, and the angel coming told 
uh, Zechariah all these that what would happen that they would have a son and that they are to name him John and that John would go prepare the way for the Lord to come and so when the angel was speaking to Zechariah Zechariah's speech disappeared he couldn't speak any any longer until the day that John the Baptist was born and when they were asking what should we call him he wrote John on a tablet and at that point John uh, Zechariah was able to speak and John went on and fulfilled the prophecy of his father and he uh, went into the desert and he was preparing himself he was studying the word of God and he was preparing the way people would come out of the towns to listen to what John had to say and he was preparing the way in terms of people repenting of their sin in preparation for Jesus to come and he would baptize them and they would be ready for the, the coming of the Messiah. And so the young John, the apostle, was, was part of all this. Uh, he was watching everything that was unfolding. He was listening to what John was saying. And this is what John the Baptist said about Jesus. Verse 19, this was John's testimony when the Jewish leaders sent priests and temple assistants from Jerusalem to ask John, who are you? And he came right out and he said, I'm not the Messiah. You see, it wasn't just a few disciples searching for Jesus. The whole of the Jewish nation, including the Jewish leaders, were actually reading the Old Testament and they were looking for this person, this Messiah, to come. They were searching desperately for this Messiah. And so when John was baptising, they were saying, well, are you the Messiah? Are you Elijah? No, he said. Are you the prophet we're expecting? No. Then who are you? We need an answer so that we can answer those who sent us. What do you have to say about yourself? And John replied in the words of the prophet Isaiah. This is found in chapter 40, verse 3. John said, I am a voice shouting in the wilderness, clear the way for the Lord's coming. So even John was prophesied in 500 years before uh, this, this event was taking place. And verse 24 says, Then the Pharisees who had sent him asked him, Well, if you aren't the Messiah or Elijah or the prophet, what right do you have to baptise? Verse 26 says, John told them, I baptise with water, but right here in the crowd is someone you do not recognise. And though his ministry follows mine, I'm not even worthy to be a slave that unties the straps on his sandals. And this encounter took place in Bethany, an area east of the Jordan River where John was baptising. And the next day, John saw Jesus coming toward him, and he said, Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He's the one I was talking about when I said, A man is coming after me who is far greater than I am, for he existed long before me. And I did not recognise him as the Messiah, but I've been baptising with water so that he might be revealed to Israel. And then John testified, I saw the Holy Spirit descending like a dove from heaven and resting upon him. I didn't know he was the one at the time, but when God sent me to baptise with water, he told me, the one on whom you see the Spirit descend and rest is the one who will baptise with the Holy Spirit. And I saw this happen to Jesus. So I testify that he is the chosen one of God. 
that John the Baptist clearly knew the Old Testament, he knew the scriptures, and he was quoting from Isaiah, and he also was given a vision that lined up with Isaiah chapter 11, and he and John understood that as well. So Isaiah chapter 11 says, out of the stump of David's family will grow a shoot. Well, John knew who Jesus' family was. He knew his family lineage. He knew that he was from the line of David. It says, yes, a branch bearing fruit from the old root. And then, and the spirit of the Lord will rest on him. And the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. At some point, you would think that disciples had said to John, John, when did you see that happening? When, what was was the story? Because it's not recorded in John. But at Math, in Matthew chapter 3, that records John's response. Verse 13 says, Then Jesus went from Galilee to the Jordan River to be baptised by John. But John tried to talk him out of it. He said, I'm the one who needs to be baptised by you, he said. So why are you coming to me? But Jesus said, It should be done for we must carry out all that God requires. And so John agreed to baptise him. And after his baptism, as Jesus came up out of the water, the heavens were opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descend like a dove and settling on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my dearly loved Son, who brings me great joy. So young John, the apostle, and his brother, James and some other friends, Andrew's probably one, um, they're listening to John speak. And they were followers of John. They were listening, they were interested in what he had to say about this new Messiah that was coming. Not just that he would come, but how he would come and what he would do when he came. Because all this is written in these snapshots of the Old Testament, how he would be born, his family lineage, that he would be declared the Son of God that he would be rejected, that he would be crucified, that he'd be given vinegar to drink on the cross, that he would be a sacrifice for sin, Isaiah 53, that he would rise from the dead, Psalm 16 and Psalm 49, that he would sit at God's right hand. John was preparing the way. He was telling people all about this Jesus. He was giving them a snapshot of what Jesus was like. And the whole of the Jewish nation was like that. They were all waiting for this, this fulfilment of these prophecies to come true. They were all searching. And those who missed Jesus at that time are still searching. But let's go back to John chapter 1, verse 35. The following day, John was standing again with the two disciples. And as Jesus walked by, John looked at him and declared, Look, there's the, the Lamb of God. And John's two disciples heard this, and they followed Jesus. The Apostle John, young John, he believed everything that John the Baptist was saying, that Jesus was the one who was appointed by God, that he was the Lord, that Jesus would be sent into the world. And when you think about that, that Jesus would be sent by God into the world, it it indicates that Jesus was with God already. It's not as though God came up with this last-minute plan of how to save the world and said, well, maybe I should create some perfect man and send him to die. That just wouldn't work. God knew that the consequences of sin had eternal effects 
And so he was the only one who could come and enter into the world and take that penalty at the consequences for sin. And he died. He took our sin upon himself. And as outrageous as that sounds, and as hard to, as that is to believe, that's what the Bible teaches. The true to God's process, the way God does things, God always speaks before he acts. He always tells people what he's going to do, so that way there's no mistake as to who was doing it. And so God filled the Old Testament with stories about Jesus, about who he was and how he'd be born. And the people searching had a great picture of what Jesus was going to be like. And so the question on their lips when Jesus arrived was, is this the one? Even John had a doubt when he wasn't quite fulfilling everything that he expected Jesus to do. John was still questioning, is this the one? But here's the thing. When people started following him, when the two disciples started following him, did Jesus deny it? Did he say, hey, creepy guys, why are you following me around? Like he didn't. He just said, come with me and I'll show you where I live. And so verse 38, Jesus looked around and he saw them following and he said, what do you want? And they replied, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? Come and see, he said. It was about four o'clock in the afternoon and they went with him to the place where he was staying and they remained the rest of the day with Jesus. That would have been a great afternoon tea. I imagine the cheese and the biscuits and the wine would have been out. And these guys would have been asking Jesus all these questions about who he was and, and how he knew that he was the one. Verse 40 says, Andrew says that Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the men who heard what John said and then followed Jesus. And Andrew went to find his brother Simon and told him, we've found the Messiah, which means Christ. See, Jesus was found by these guys. They'd been searching for him and they'd found the Messiah. Christ is not Jesus' last name, by the way. A lot of people think Jesus Christ is, is his name. Christ means anointed one, that he was anointed by God. And we'll look at that in more detail um, next week. So I indicated that this is a search. It's a little bit like finding Wally, that you need to search diligently for Jesus. And, and we see here in scripture that these people were doing that and they found him. They found God's anointed one. They said, stop looking, everyone. We've found him. We've found the one. And how did they know? Well, they knew their Bible. They looked, they looked at the Old Testament and they said, yep, this is the one who's being described. They knew about David. They knew the Psalms. They knew about Isaiah. And as a result, they were searching. And when they found him, they said, yes, this cannot be anyone else. They knew the stories of Jesus. They knew about his birth and all of the events that took place around Jesus' birth. They knew everything that Zechariah had prophesied about John the Baptist and they were watching and matching everything up from the past with the present. And they couldn't believe that this was happening in their day. And they also heard John the Baptist testify. And this is a powerful testimony that John received a vision first. God revealed this vision to him. And then when Jesus came to be baptized by him, he saw the very vision fulfilled with his very own eyes. And John testified that this was true. And you have to wonder, well, why would John make that, that a lie up? If he was actually preparing the way for the Lord and he had a great lot of people following him, 
Well, pointing to someone else is only going to take those disciples away. John knew his task was to prepare the way for Jesus, and he was pointing to Jesus. So because they knew what to look for, they simply pointed to Jesus and said, this is the one, we've found the one. So who do you say that Jesus is? That's the big question. Who do you say Jesus is? Romans chapter 10 verse says, If you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it's by believing in your heart that you are made right with God and it's by openly declaring your faith that you are saved. So let's pray and uh, you can pray a simple prayer like this along with me and receive Jesus into your heart today. Just acknowledge who he is and what he's done. Let's pray together. Father God, we thank you for sending Jesus into the world. We thank you that you love the world so much that you sent this one, our Saviour, to die for our place, in our, for our sin. He took the consequences for our sin upon himself. And so we give you thanks. We acknowledge all that he's done. We recognise that he died and that he rose again to give us new life to bring us into relationship with you. And so today I accept by faith that that is who Jesus is and that is what he's done. And give you thanks for these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Have a great week, church. We'll see you all next week.